Chapter Four of the Fate of Fenella. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. The Fate of Fenella, Chapter Four, by A. Conan Doyle. Between Two Fires. Happier is he who standeth betwixt the fire and the flood than he who hath a jealous woman on either side of him fourth bedder The single short drive on the Harrogate coach had reawakened all Frank Onslow's dormant passion for the capricious and beautiful woman whom he had made his wife His weak and pliant nature was one which could readily forget and after a few weeks of dull pain his separation had ceased to be a grief to him and he had devoted himself to the turf and the green table with an energy which had driven his matrimonial troubles from his mind that fenella had at the least been indiscreet in the case of the count de murger was beyond all question further she had allowed her indiscretion to be known and commented upon domestic unhappiness is ill to bear but worse still is it to see pitying eyes turned upon one in society to read snappy little two-edged paragraphs in gossiping papers or in a club smoking-room to see heads incline towards each other while a swift malicious whisper passes from man to man all this is bad to bear and yet it had been lord francis's lot to bear it it had soured his mind and hardened his heart at the time of his separation but every wound will heal and this one also had skinned over when in the morning he had seen the girlish figure of his wife perched upon the box seat with her yellow hair curling from under the dainty hat and looked into the hazel eyes which still shone with the old provoking mischievous challenging twinkle he had felt his heart go out to her and had loved her once more even as he loved her on that first night when he had plighted his troth to her after the garrison ball at portsmouth it maddened him now to find that with all the fire of his love he could not kindle any answering spark in her had she turned away from him treated him coldly or upbraided him for his conduct then indeed he might have had hopes a quarrel might lead to a reconciliation but that she should treat him as an everyday acquaintance gossip with him about trivial matters and break small jests with him that was indeed intolerable in vain through the long drive he strove to pass the barrier at every allusion to their married life or to their quarrel she either retired into absolute silence or else with quick feminine tact turned the conversation into other channels if he had forgiven her there was no sign that she in turn had forgiven him and who was there who knew better than himself that there was much to forgive if her name had been coupled with that of the count de murger had not his been equally and even more openly associated with the notorious madame lucille de vigny he might have doubts as to his wife's guilt but he could have none as to his own if he had been subjected to the degradation of the pity of his fellow-men had not she undergone as much or more he remembered now with grief and compunction how day after day and evening after evening he had deserted his wife in favor of the society of the fascinating frenchwoman he remembered too 
how patient she had been at first then how her patience had gradually changed to surprise surprise to suspicion suspicion to anger and anger to revenge in the shape of the flirtation which had brought about the separation who was he to blame her he had himself been the first to sin now he was the first to forgive would she follow him in the one as in the other alas it seemed that she would not that the breach was too broad to be ever again bridged over through the bright summer morning as they rattled past the lines of beech trees and through the pleasant yorkshire lanes he chafed and fretted but in vain his sin had been too deep to be forgiven as he handed her down when they arrived once more at the prospect hotel he pressed her little hands in his feverish grasp and looked appealingly into her hazel eyes there was no answering softness in their glance nothing but amusement and something akin to contempt he turned away with a sigh and wandered slowly off in the direction of the gardens walking with bent head and the listless steps of a melancholy man had his eyes not been downcast he might have noticed that he was not alone on the gravelled hedge-lined walk which curved down through the pleasant harrogate gardens a woman was walking towards him moving slowly through the rich yellow sunshine and glancing from right to left with the air of one who is a visitor and a sightseer her light cream dress her dainty pink sunshade and her broad shady hat with its curling snow-white feather made a pleasant picture to the eye which was by no means diminished by her approach for she was a woman of singular beauty though past her first youth the lines of her figure were as graceful and as perfect as an artist could desire while her face with its dark southern beauty its clear-cut delicate features and imperious eyes spoke of a passionate and impetuous nature such as is seldom to be found among our cold and self-contained northern races approaching from different ends of the walk the two had almost passed each other before lord francis looked up and their eyes met he sprang back with a cry of surprise and of something approaching to dismay while she stood quietly looking at him out of sombre deeply questioning eyes lucille he gasped you are the last person whom i expected to see in harrogate but i am not surprised she answered speaking with a slight french lisp which added a charm to her rich deep voice i knew that you were in harrogate that is why i came but why do you wish to follow me lucille what good can come of it what good all good is not love good and do i not love you ah frank you taught me to love you and how can i unlearn it it is happiness to me to see you and to speak to you but see the misery that it has caused we must part lucille if you truly love me you will help me to retrieve my life and not to wreck it further ah cried she with a quick flash in her dark eyes you have seen her you have been speaking with your wife again yes i saw her today by chance yes by chance and you are friends again no not friends ah you wished it but she would not have it i can see it in your face oh frank how could you humble yourself to such a woman how could you 
to hold out your hand to her and to be refused quelle degradation see how she has treated you she who is not worthy to be the wife of any honest man the colour sprang to onslow's pale cheeks it was one thing to know his wife's faults and it was another to hear about them that is an old story he said curtly we may let that drop an old story why she was with de murger last week in london fenella was yes i saw them with my own eyes riding together in the row lord francis started as if he had been stung come here he said there was a garden bench in a little recess and he threw himself down upon it lucille de vigny seated herself beside him and a triumphant smile played over her dark and beautiful face as she marked with a sidelong glance the anger and chagrin which convulsed her companion's features is this true he cried i tell you frank that i saw them with my own eyes it is not my custom to say what is not true they were riding together yes and talking talking and laughing by heavens i will see that fellow de murger i will shoot him lucille it is not our custom in england to duel but he is a foreigner he will meet me i have wished to avoid a scandal but if they caught one why should i spare them in the row you say yes and just when all the world was there heavens it is maddening he sank his face in his hands and groaned aloud and what matter after all said she laying one delicately gloved hand upon his wrist why should you trouble what is she to you now she is unworthy and that is an end tout est fini you are a free man and may let her go her way while you go yours which way will be yours frank the blood throbbed in his head he felt her warm magnetic hand tighten upon his wrist her soft lisping voice and the delicate perfume which came from her dress seemed to lull the misery which had torn him already in her presence the fierce longing for his wife which had possessed him was growing more faint here was a woman beautiful and tender who did indeed love him why should his heart still dwell upon that other one who had brought unhappiness and disgrace to him which way will be yours frank the same as yours lucille ah at last she cried throwing her arms about him did i not know that i should win you back a sharp cry a cry as from a stricken heart and a dark shadow fell between the pair lord francis started to his feet fenella was standing in front of them her hands thrown out her eyes blazing with anger you villain she gasped you false villain she put her hands to her throat and struggled with the words like a choking woman lord francis onslow looked down while the blood flushed to his temple madame de vigny stood beside him her hands folded across each other and a look of defiance and anger upon her face i came out here to tell you that i have forgiven you do you hear that i had forgiven you and this is how i find you oh i shall never forgive you now never 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 why were you so nice to me this morning if you meant to treat me so one word fenella cried onslow answer me one question and if i have wronged you 
I will go down on my bended knee. Tell me truthfully and on your honour, were you in the company of de Murger last week? And if I were, sir? Were you or were you not? I was. You were with him in the park? I was. Then that is enough. I have no more to say. Madame, let me offer you my arm. He walked past his wife with her rival, and the dresses of the two women would have touched, had Fenella not sprung back with a cry of disgust, as one who shrinks from a poisonous thing. Madame de Vigny laughed, and her proud, sparkling eyes told of the triumph which filled her soul. Fenella Onslow stood for an instant in the middle of the sunlit walk, her little right hand clenched with anger. Her gaze turned toward the retreating figures. Then a sudden lurid thought flashed into her mind, and she started off as rapidly as she could in the direction of the railway station. Clitheroe Jacinth's train did not leave for ten minutes. Ronnie had told her of the hour of his departure. The barrister was standing, moody and disconsolate, upon the platform, when he felt a light touch upon his shoulder, and looking round saw a flushed little woman with sparkling eyes looking up at him. Fenella, he cried. Yes, you must not go. Not go? No, you must come back. You bid me? Yes, I bid you. You must come back to the hotel. But it was you who this very morning drove me away from it. Forget it. Many things have happened since then. Will you not come? Of course I will come. Then give me your arm. And so it happened that as Lord Francis Onslow and Madame Lucille de Vigny stood at the door of the Prospect Hotel after their walk, they perceived Lady Frances and a gentleman, whom neither of them had seen before, coming toward them arm in arm, and engaged in the most intimate conversation. End of chapter 4